Studios, a film podcast where we unravel and then attempt to uh, re-ravel new release films. Uh, just, at least at least this week it is. This week, yeah. Um, just uh, top of the po- uh, podcast, it's probably worth knowing that there will be spoilers in the film. Uh, this week we've watched The mm. the Mummy, the 2017 Tom Cruise Mummy. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, uh, there will be plot points revealed, <laughs> but I don't think it's really going to matter so is much. Is there anyone out there that's really just hanging on to watch this film though is there someone out there that is just like no guys i don't want to buy of this i haven't <laughs> seen it yet and i really want to if you have not seen it by this point then i don't think you were were going to no um, and this is probably the most entertainment you'll get out of it so absolutely this will be better than the film which was <sighs> let's not get into it because uh, at, yeah, at the top not, we're gonna want to gonna do a, a segment that uh we'll come up with with a name with eventually but uh tentatively called this week in trailers yes. where we uh, t- take a look at uh uh trailers for upcoming releases and yes. give our hot take on uh, <laughs> what we think the films are going to be like yes um, indeed uh before we go on i'm anthony uh, i'm isaac yeah that's we probably right. should have done should that a little bit earlier probably at on. the start that's all right just skip back to the start after you've heard this bit and do it all again um so what did we watch this week in terms of trailers isaac um, there is a few interesting ones on the market. I think we, because of our age and because of uh, when we grew up, I think mm. visiting Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle is mm. probably a really good place to start. Yes, it is. Uh, initial thoughts, feedback? <laughs> I, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start with this trailer. So th- this trailer, um, if you haven't seen it, this is a... I guess um, it's meant to be a kind of a reboot, but also a spiritual sequel to the original Jumanji, the 1995 Five, film, yeah. rather, uh, with Robin Williams, uh, Bonnie Hunt, uh, and a very young Kirsten Dunst. It is, yeah. Um, and that is a great film. I do not disagree at all. No, no one can disagree with that because it is a fine film. Uh, this new version, however, has been updated for modern kids and the stuff that they do, which is play video games, yeah. apparently. So the uh, what was once a board game yes. in the original film yep. is now an old video game they system. They find a dusty old, looks like a original Nintendo system yep. sitting in the bottom of a the basement. Yep. They plug it in, turn it on, and it boots up a crazy old retro video game yeah. called Jumanji. Jumanji. Uh, and then the Discount Breakfast Club, which is what yeah. these kids are, get sucked into the game and become the game's avatars. Avatar. And they're all crazy, wacky reimaginings of the That's character's right. major yes. flaws. The yep. the self-conscious girl is suddenly hot Karen Gillan. The, yep. the weedy guy is suddenly the, the big, bulky Dwayne The Rock, Rock Johnson. Yep. The massive football player is tiny and loud-mouthed uh, uh, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart, yep. And... Uh, and uh, the pretty girl is now uh, rotund and middle-aged Jack Black. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, of course, all the humour comes down to uh, these well-known actors doing imitations of teenagers, I guess. Yeah. Like, it's really fun to see Jack Black go, I can't deal with this. Yeah. So, my, my biggest issue with this film is that, like you said, it's... It's trailer, because the film could uh, still be good. I mean, it, it won't be. It won't be. But it could so, still be. The the reimagining of Jumanji, like so, one of the the opening sequences in Jumanji is mm. the, these two kids from like nineteen ten yes. who have played the board game and have tried to dispose of it and yes. buried it, and then we flash forward to like maybe the sixties. I can't really oh, I think remember. It's, it's probably the fifties. All right, think, okay, yeah. and then and uh, Robin Williams rediscovers it, and then um, we then flash forward again to ninety five, and these kids rediscover it. So you know that there's this uh, object which mm. is progressing through time and and each generation is experiencing the same board game yes whereas this jumanji is a video game yeah so it it seems to me like if it does exist in the same world Mm. then there's a secret organization which is making (laughs) and distributing these cursed games in order to suck people into this sort of parallel dimension or jungle yeah and then if that's the case as well we see helicopters and motor motocross sort of things going on in this video game version of jumanji yep. which never existed in the parallel universe jungle of the regular jumanji no. so it it just doesn't make any sense nothing as about to nothing about this where makes in any the sense yeah it's but, just supposed to fit in I mean, I mean with the original as you mentioned there's a very nice sense that that board game is some kind of ancient exactly cursed yeah. relic right like some it's been around for centuries who knows right, who yeah. made it who knows who enchanted it some ancient civilization yeah. somewhere 
uh, imbued this object with all these powers, and essentially it survives well, I mean, no matter what. It could even does. could even just be that glowing green crystal it could which be sits that. in the middle yeah, of the it, board, it could be and that. someone's found that artifact and embedded it into this game and perhaps created this that's sort of right. Like, yeah. yeah, Atari in one of their. <laughs> I mean, uh, it could be. It could uh, maybe maybe someone's taken that green gem and and put it in the circuit board of an old right. Atari, yeah. Yeah. and suddenly that's where this comes yeah, from. Yeah, it's it was I like put, a, the CPU upgrade. I'm of the sure day. they'll explain it in the film. I'm sure that's where they're going. I'm sure they won't. Honestly. I'm pretty sure they won't ever. So the other thing that uh, sort of is a bit strange about this as well mm. is that if when you get sucked into Jumanji, you become yep. the avatar of your character. Yes. If we imagine Robin Williams being sucked into Jumanji in the original film, mm. uh, the in the jungle you must wait till the dice read five, five or, eight, or eight, eight. Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, does he then embody his avatar, which is like a carved white rhino <laughs> wooden figure? Or <laughs> well, yeah, that's an interesting question, isn't it? But I, oh, I don't know. I just, I, I have a theory about this film, and I think you share the same theory—the the reboot or whatever the hell this is—and uh, it's that someone somewhere wrote a spec script yeah. for a film where people get sucked into a video game. Uh, someone then decided that it sounds a little bit like Jumanji. Yeah, they, 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 this guy's taken his script to the, the movie producer. That's it's right. gone. I've got this idea for a film, right? Yes. These people get sucked into a game, right? Uh, <laughs> It reminds me of back in 95. We've done something like this before. Jumanji. (laughs) If we call it Jumanji, people will come. Yes. But but that would make me have to rewrite the entire script. Shut up. You're just a script writer. fit in with the the, the universe established in the original Jumanji. Get out of the office. Get out. It's ours now. Get out. Have some money at least. Get out. A pittance for you. Righto, uh, into production, this must go. Yeah, greenlit, like, re- just taking a spec script, re- retitle the Jumanji, yes. and all of a sudden it's yes. its own sort of entity, so... The problem is, though, there's there's actors in this film that I genuinely kind of like, right? I like The Rock. I think he's great. Like, he has a sense of fun about him. He's a nice guy. He's made some really terrible film choices, but I also always feel... Also some really good ones as well. Yeah, Sur- no, surprisingly absolutely. good choices. He's, he's a bit up and down, but... Yeah. He has a star factor and he, yeah. he draws an audience. And I think, again, that's why he's in the film. They've called it Jumanji to draw an audience. They've cast uh, The Rock, Kevin Hart, Jack Black. Um, Karen Gillan's not really a um, a, a star-drawing name, but, mm, yeah, but, but they're all sort of broad appeal um, yeah. stars to, to try and get people in the door. And I really feel like that's why it's called Jumanji as well. It's that nostalgia factor. It's not going to have anything to do with the original film. No. But because it's recognisable and people remember it, mm. it's you're going to get more... Well, actually, there was something I read recently that suggested that there will be some kind of connection to the original film, be it in the form of some kind of Easter egg or some kind of reference to it to sort of pay tribute to the 1995 version, which I I can't even imagine. I don't know. I, again, I don't know how they're going to do it unless it's... Are, are the characters in the game actually going to find the board game Jumanji in it? Is this going to be a self-contained universe? Is this... We'll is see. the 1995 version actually just part of the video game version is this what we're saying so the problem is we can criticize it all at once for it, but because it is called Jumanji mm. I will go and watch it I know it's it's really kind of horrible it's that way and even even if they like completely butcher it because I really enjoyed the first one I'm going to have to see how they butcher it and what they do to it to exactly. make it work yeah. and, and then, damn you film <laughs> producers you've got me again your tactics are- <laughs> yeah. This is the thing, and it worked for it's worked for a lot of films that um, that we've liked in the past. I mean, I, hor- horrible thing to bring up, but um, the Internet Jones, series, all uh, of the Jurassic, Jurassic, none of which have been worth actually going to see after yep. the first one. But uh, possibly Ghostbusters. To be fair, I haven't yep. seen the new version. I yet. did watch it. Um, just to see what they did with it, essentially. That's what if they reboot it, you'll you'll watch it just to see what they did, yeah. whether it's good or bad or merited or not. That's a way of drawing an audience, and unfortunately, it's the tactic they're using. Yeah, that's a shame. Um, one other trailer that I'd like to discuss that mm. came out is a film called Downsizing. Yes, it's uh, a bit of a conceptually strange film yeah. where there is a new scientific procedure in the world which mm-hmm. allows humans to be shrunk down to probably about what four or five inches tall yeah yeah and um uh because of that they can uh exist in a world with limited resources because they need less resources to survive yeah so there was a little uh bit in the trailer that said uh to this couple played by uh, matt damon and Kristen wig basically saying that their modest financial assets convert to something far more substantial when they're shrunk down um really interesting concept actually for a film I, i feel like 
it's the kind of film that really could either tell a very impactful and very deep kind of story that investigates or sort of looks at issues of consumption yep. and um, uh, living an ideal life versus what you actually have, or it can be a two-hour meandering oddly comical kind of farce essentially oh right I thought you were going to go with oddly me- meandering the, the Benjamin Button style of it's just a guy going through the world <laughs> well, like, it could be that too it could be, I mean, it could it, be that I don't yeah. know I, look I don't know the director was uh, the same director as The Descendants and a few other films yeah possibly. so there's, um, a, there's a bit of pedigree there so yeah I mean I just I, I feel like it'd be strange to exist in this micro universe where mm. essentially you've while you've shrunk yourself down, you have, in in essence, made all regular people gigantic, gigantic monsters. Yeah. And, and like, every other object as well. Exactly. Right? There's, a, there's a bit of a cute uh, uh, bit in the trailer where um, a group of people are filling up a, a water bottle or something from a fountain and the camera pulls back to reveal a bottle of absolute vodka, That's which it. had dropped down there. So everyone yeah. was getting crazy amounts of vodka from a normal-sized bottle. I guess. So the que- it begs the question, would you do it? If you were in this universe, Ooh. would you shrink yourself down to the size of a uh, an action figure, essentially? Yeah. If- but I, it doesn't... Let's get into the science of this, right? <laughs> so we know scientifically that different objects and, and different um, uh, fluids and all that kind of stuff reacts very differently depending oh, yeah. on how... Yeah. The scale of life, essentially, right? So, so surface tension becomes quite important when you're yeah. the size of an insect, but not at all relevant yeah. when you're the size of a person. Exactly. Like, the other, the other really interesting thing is the the size and scale of your bones matters. Uh, obviously, if you scaled like a mouse up to sort of a human size, yeah. it would break its legs because exactly. its bones are not physically yes. thick enough to support its yep. weight. Yep. Um, I don't think it's as relevant the other way around. I think we'd probably be massively over-engineered, but like... But that's the thing, isn't it? Would it be a case of not being able to shrink correctly? Like, would you just be packed knows? with too much stuff? And who knows? Just like collapse and, and... Yeah. I mean, you'd essentially be like a Superman, right? So your, your muscles and bones would mean that every time you go to jump, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's supposed to be, we've got the muscle density and the bone density to only be able to jump sort of like, you know, exactly, a, a yeah. foot in the air. Or is it that size or something? Yeah, so what happens then? You jump and then you... I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, don't don't really have the skills to fall back to the ground efficiently. That's either, right. Yeah. So. Well, technically, I mean, possibly being that small, then the effects of gravity completely change as well. So you'd fall to the ground, but not break a bone in your body. But also, if a strong wind came along, then you yeah, you're screwed. Could essentially fly. Yeah. So look, I, I wouldn't do it. I uh, I own cats, and they would hunt me down and <laughs> kill me like the small mouth-sized man that I was. But so. if you trained those cats well, you could ride, ride them. the cats. Right. And how amazing would that oh, be? Oh, this is this is fantastic. If we if we sort of take away the technology aspect and yep. go go to like a medieval style yeah. war where you're sort of riding on That's cats. Right. And- yeah, cat people versus dog people as well. Oh, Who would, would, would win? Would be a completely different debate. Yeah. Like if if you're a cat person, it means you you ride a cat to work <laughs> rather than just sort of prefer, prefer, prefer them as uh, pets. But I also like the idea that yeah, let's say you have you know dominion over these animals, but they still act like normal animals as well. So a cat, right? You'd be riding it to work and it'd be going along its way, and then suddenly it sees a bird, it just veers. <laughs> Of course, and you're just like, no, I need to get to work. And I still, yeah, I don't know. In terms of whether I would do it or not, uh, yeah, I don't know. Would yeah. you do it the other way around? If if Go they huge. if they could make you massive, massive. Just but like, again, like if we get into the sides of it, like you, we physically can't get any bigger than what I we think, are. We I would... think with these sort of conceptual films, AJ, you're supposed supposed to suspend. No, I'm your bringing disbelief. science to it. All right, I'm bringing science to this pseudo comedy drama. My okay? heart could never form the pressure That's to right. pump the blood around my That's body, right. and think... the uh, hemoglobin wouldn't be able to carry the oxygen. For exactly, enough. I'd be in sh- I'd be in misery. Be I, I'm sorry, fantasy world of director's mind that you've put on screen. <laughs> I just can't buy into your universe. <laughs> All right. Well, well let's uh, let's move All on. Right, and speaking uh, yeah. of buying into universes, we'll uh, we'll kick off our discussion. Would of, I go big? Yes. Would you go to, big? Yes, I would. Um, purely based on Pacific Rim, because if, <laughs> if if giant kaiju come from the Pacific Ocean, yeah. and there's nothing to stop them, this guy. Will but stop I think them. humanity would have to decide on the one or two people that they would make big. If, if it's a resource yeah. thing, you can't make everyone big. Yeah. So you have to pick our our finest specimen of yep. a human. And turn them into our giant well, kaiju I, fighting. I know uh, who it would be. Who's this? Uh, the Jumanji actor, Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock, Rock Johnson. Johnson. Absolutely. Hello. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you need a 
fact, you know what? I want to see a Pacific Rim spinoff where instead of them having robots, it's just <laughs> a giant Dwayne, Dwayne the, the Rock, Rock Johnson. Johnson. And knowing Dwayne the Rock Johnson, he would do that film. Absolutely. Uh, great. Let's... That is, I mean, I think we're going to have to go pitch that to our uh, film producers. Yeah, for sure. And they'll take it, right? Absolutely. If we can connect it to an old film franchise as well, like just tangently. like uh, Honey, uh, I Blew Up the Kid. It's, that's it. Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like a reboot of that. Yes. But gritty, realistic, yeah. Dwayne The Rock Johnson in it, so everyone's going to see it. It's got monsters. Great. Done. Done. All right. Well, speaking Boss. of universes and yeah. monsters. Yes. Uh, this week, uh, this week's film was the 2017 Mummy mm. with uh, Tom Cruise, which is the first film, I believe, in uh, Universal's dark universe sort of movie franchise. It looks like yeah. they're trying to follow the Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe they where they are. give uh, each sort of creature from like the... I'm not even really sure when the peak period of those creature films was. Probably the... Mm. the Oh, 30s through 30s 50s maybe yeah, where you yeah. have the mummy uh your creature, creature from the black lagoon. black lagoon invisible man wolfman frankenstein, frankenstein yeah. dracula dracula in there yeah, i'm not sure, i'm not sure they're all originally universal properties but i think a lot of them were um, uh well i think that they just uh, you know they were behind the adaptations of a lot of those old uh gothic horror novels yeah. as well so i think they just became synonymous with that type of film and those type of creatures as well um so this is a reboot of the original film, so the 1937 Mummy, uh, or The Mummy, rather, yep. um, and is the second reboot of that series after the Brendan Fraser film 1999. from 1999. 90... I'm fairly sure that'll do. You um, say second reboot, but I'm fairly sure throughout the 60s there was like the curse of the mummy's hand and uh, yeah, but... the mummy lives and walks and strangles you. And then... Yeah, but I don't think that they... I don't know. It's I, not canon. It's not. That's right. It's no. Not. I, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's there's a number of iterations of this sort of concept of the, yep. the mummy as a monster creature uh, throughout the years, mm. but I think specifically where this one's coming from is that original 1930s. Yes. Yes. Uh, Universal. But but so let's talk about the two, uh, 2017 version. Yep. Um, and we probably can't talk about that without at least mentioning the 1999. Brendan Fraser mummy, which we both enjoy. Oh, I mean, again, it's, you speak of like as children born in the eighties and mm. growing up throughout the nineties, all of all of these classic films that were released in the nineties always will hold a bit of a, a special place because in a lot of ways they were your first exposure to these uh the concepts, the that's right um, yeah. that they're sort of showing throughout the film. So yep. I mean it is a great film and it uh it I think it does stand the test of time mm. um because in a lot of ways, it doesn't take itself too seriously. No. I think that's one of its most redeeming features is that um, Brendan Fraser is a bit silly in it. Like, I think he snarls it back at the mummy at one point. He, he doesn't he does, take yeah. his character too seriously. He doesn't no. take the situation too seriously. Nope. And because of that sort of frenetic energy that he's bringing to it, it mm. sort of um, grounds itself in the fact that, you know, this isn't necessarily yeah. events that could po- possibly that's happen. No. But, yeah. Uh, and it's a period film as well, so yeah. I think it's set in the 30s or, or the, something. The like height that. of the sort of the Howard Carter era, that's right, yeah. Um, Egyptology, archaeology, mm. Curse of the Mummy, that's right, yeah. Um, sort of stuff that uh, was. It was fun. Like it's a fun, it's a fun film to watch. The characters all have decent chemistry. Um, there's some decent comedic moments in it. Tonally, it's very consistent as well. It does play that kind of action adventure um, card very, very well. Yes. Yep. Uh, and you're satisfied by the end of it. Yeah, there's plot holes all throughout and some questionable uh, script um, uh, script choices at certain points, but you leave the cinema or your couch after watching that film thinking, I had a fun time Yes, and I would like to see two more sequels, uh, I would like one to of see... which is not as good as the other. Oh, I'm not a big fan of The Mummy 2 either. There's these moments where they're floating through the air and hot air balloons uh, following yeah, the rising yeah, sun yeah. after their kids. It's just... yeah. And I, I think I'm fairly sure I also went to watch that film um, having been told that Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, was going to be in it. <laughs> okay, and, and, yep. and he has maybe 15 seconds this of, is right, of screen yeah. time. Yes. And they gave uh, him an entire... 10 of which is like him as a CGI <laughs> scorpion. Ooh. Just like... Oh, yeah. It's that, a really, ooh. really bad scorpion. Yeah. Wait, didn't that happen in The Scorpion King? Or was that in The Mummy? No, The Scorpion King is before he had been cursed and turned into the monster. So oh, they, okay. they actually fight... Uh, a computer-generated Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh, I think we're going to have to have a tally of the number of times we say Dwayne the Rock Johnson because it has been uh, in- enormous. It's, it's a as, lot. as big as a Dwayne the Rock Johnson it's, bicep. It's a Dwayne the, the Rock Johnson heavy episode. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, which is we love him. 
I think he is at the very start of the film as like leading his armies into battle or something like that, and then we see much later on he's been cursed into this in, monster. In the movie. second one, right? In the second yeah, film, yeah. Okay. Because it's like... Isn't it like Discount Billy Zane playing the mummy in the first one? He kind of looks like It him. is Discount Billy Zane. <laughs> I don't uh, know who it is, though. <laughs> uh, um, speaking of... Anyway, uh, let, let's get back to the actual film we watched yes. today. Um, the, the Mummy with Tom Cruise... Uh, and some other actors in yes. it. Yes. Um, <laughs> Jake Johnson, I think. Jake, uh, yeah, discount Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. Uh, uh, they are indistinguishable yep. facially, but just in terms of the tone they bring to their characters. Yep. Oscar Isaac is incredibly, incredibly sort of... Uh, Oh, serious, I suppose, is probably where he goes. Intensely serious. Intense. He brings an intensity to the characters that he plays. uh, In quite the opposite way that Jake Johnson (laughs) uh, brings a sense of levity to characters that do not necessarily uh, need to display levity in the situations that they're in. No, Um, not really. That's the thing. I think that's the thing that I really hated about this film. It had no idea what it wanted to be in terms of tone. So there's a, a kind of seriousness to the whole thing in terms of the way that the action is presented, the way that um, certain characters react, uh, and the general kind of feel of it. And then there's a, other bizarre moments where there's like these crazy moments of comedy yeah. in it that just don't fit into this supposedly serious and realistic world. Yeah. Because like the characters are reacting in ways that normal people in that kind of situation yeah. just wouldn't react to. Um, they they do a, a massive amount of work to build up the tension mm. out of these sort of scenes and and then Tom Cruise will give just sort of like irreverent little smile. Yeah, it's like oh this is a really bizarre situation to be in and you're yeah. like really yeah. really Tom Cruise that, like you're you... not fearing for your life right yeah. now as she's plunging a dagger towards your heart yeah. or well um, like he must you know his character in that film is the jerk essentially he, he is. is a complete and, asshole yeah an irredeemable jerk completely irredeemable and in ways in which they give him the opportunity to be redeemed yeah it's like oh so there's a again spoilers alert yeah please uh, just, warning I, if you haven't seen it and you want to see it if you yada, haven't seen it at least that, read the wikipedia that sort plot of stuff. summary of it i mean and you've seen the trailer as well where the plane's crashing uh and uh there's only one parachute and yep. he gives it to the woman pulls the cord and mm. saves her yep. so he then plunges to the ground mm. um and there's like that's the one heroic moment that he has essentially in the entire film mm. and they're like you were like later on the character's talking he's like you were a hero you saved me mm. there was only one parachute and you saved me and he's just like i thought there was another parachute yeah it's like, it's like what? What? you gave him an opportunity to be a hero yeah. and essentially you've unwritten that and, you- and like and that that point that particular moment wasn't a sort of early part of the film where they're still trying to establish character and relationship no this was like two-thirds of the way into the film when a significant amount of stuff had happened between Tom Cruise and blonde female. Yeah, I think you, you described her as discount Ivanka discount Trump. Discount Ivanka Trump, and yeah. it's uh, once, you, once you hear it, you can't <laughs> see her in any other light. Um, and it just wasted any, like any potential, um, you know, positive attributes that Tom Cruise. So we don't even mention his character. I don't even know what character's name was, but his name was Nick. Uh, and I only know that because Jake Johnson's character in uh, New Girl is called Nick. And so J- Jake Johnson's like, Nick! I'm like, what are you calling to yourself? I'm like, oh no, I'm, I'm having difficulty distinguishing the characters that right. you play in every film because they're essentially just the same sort of like wisecracking yeah. goofball. So. Yeah, exactly. All right, so Nick Cruz. Nick Cruz. Um, this was his only potential like saving grace as a character. And it's completely thrown out the window. Because essentially they they paint him as an opportunistic grave robber who's mm. using the conflict in the Middle East as an excuse to go and steal uh, historic rel- relics to, yeah. to sell them off. Yeah. And this is how it's set up. He They start the film. Mm. Uh, he's stolen coordinates for a tomb yep. uh, from a lady. He goes in uh, under the guise of being the a scout for the, the military. Yes. Murders a bunch of people, Indeed. calls in an airstrike, and unwittingly yep. discovers this sort of tomb. Yes, um, uh, and from there they don't do anything to suggest he has any. Redi- I don't think even at one point Russell Crowe says, "You were chosen because mm. you have no soul, yeah. because you are such an irredeemably yes. bad person, yeah. uh, so self-centered that mm-hmm. you have been chosen to be the vessel for the devil." <laughs> um, and yeah. and at the same time, it's like. 
Oh right, and and, and you're the main character of this yeah, film. Exactly, you're oh, the protagonist. But let's also not forget that later on in the film, when Tom Cruise is struggling with a decision that he must make in terms of saving the world or not. He's having flashbacks to these times where the characters told him that they're still good on you and uh, you're a good man and we want to see the good man and you come out and make the right decision. Where? At what point in this film has he ever presented himself as a good man? He's a jerk in the entire film. He doesn't react in a way that normal people react. He reacts in the way Tom Cruise would react. If Tom Tom Cruise knew he was in a film where he was the hero, you you can afford... You can afford yourself to act that way. It's exactly. like a giant knife is plunging towards my chest. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to wink and smile and do yeah, a bit of a, exactly. a nod because I'm the main character and you can't right. kill me. You can't kill me, yeah. Exactly. And, and so the, when the dagger stops an inch above his heart because there's no mysteriously green <laughs> emerald, which is supposed to be in the back of the dagger yeah. to give it magical powers. Red, to be fair. We've got to be accurate. Oh, yeah. It's podcast, red. Sorry. Okay? It's red. Um, when it's missing and she pauses an inch above his heart, he's just like, mm. yeah, I, I kind of knew that was going to happen because I'm the main character that's and you right, can't yeah, kill me off right. this early because it it's it, like right at the start of the film. I got the sense with that film that every other actor had the script and they were doing the script, but then Tom Cruise was let in to just improv his way throughout the entire film <laughs> and just react. It, it's it's the Will Ferrell approach it to is, the yeah, filmmaking. It like, it's like Will Ferrell shows up on set and he's just like, uh, there, are no, there are no lines for my character for any of these scenes. It's, like, it's all right, Will, you <laughs> just improv it. Just yeah. say your crazy lines yeah. and we'll cut around it. Yeah. It's fine. It's just like, I, I probably think it might be a better film if I had lines. It's like, no, it's all right, Will. We love you on Saturday Night Live. Just make up whatever we want. We'll cut a film around it. We'll make more, a film out of what you say. That's it. More cowbell. Um, it just it felt like that, right? Like Tom Cruise spends most of this film just reacting to lines that other people have said. And it's really bizarre because everyone else in the film, character-wise, knows what's going on. We as the audience know what's going on because of all the exposition, the voiceover stuff at the start, seeing all this stuff that... Tom Cruise never sees. Exactly. So the only one in this whole experience that's oblivious to what's happening is Tom Cruise. So we're watching essentially an actor stumble around acting confused about what's happening on screen for what, two hours? Yeah. It's it's it, it It's bad storytelling. It's and and I mean bad. we do try and bring a sense of levity to films here, <laughs> but really when it boils down to it, there's a couple of really simple things they could have done to mm. make it a much better film in terms of story. There's there's a number of other problems, but the biggest one was the um, exposition at the start. There's a voiceover. Yes. Um, Russell Crowe walks into a tomb of a Templar, sees this sort of hieroglyph mm. of an ancient uh, pre- uh, princess, sure. and then it just does this flashback with the Russell Crowe voiceover mm. of, this is the princess, uh, here's her story, she was going to be queen, her dad had another kid she yep. got pissed off made a pact with the devil killed mm. her family and tried yep. to bring the devil back into the world yes so we know that we know this is the world that exists yep. and then when tom cruise stumbles into that world sorry nick cruise nick cruise um, yep uh he we as the audience already know exactly what's going on when mm. he doesn't a much much better way of storytelling is for us to discover that story through yes. his experiences yeah and um it, it even like the pieces are there you you have a look that they have the um, storytelling method of him having flashbacks. Mm. Uh, the more, more he's exposed to the tomb of the mummy and to her sarcophagus, he sees flashbacks of what happened in the past. Yes, and you only need to, you just need to use that technique yeah. along the way yeah. to reveal more and more plot details about the story. Yes. and so um, him running around being confused makes more sense because as the audience, we don't really know what's going on. Yeah, and as he gets a greater sense of the world and the universe as it exists, yes. so does the audience. It's mm. just. It's, it's classic storytelling, right? The, you need a, 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 for certain types of stories, it's a, a character that acts as the audience's entry point into the world and allows us to project ourselves onto that character. A uh, really perfect example of that is A New Hope. So yep. the analog for the audience is Luke because he's experiencing all this new stuff that already exists in this universe yep. uh, and we're experiencing it with him. So he's our kind of... Our analog. He's never heard of the Force. I've never heard of the Force Neither either. Have I. Oh Maybe my gosh. If, if the characters in the movie explain to Luke what the Force is, that's right. We as the yeah. audience might therefore also learn what the yeah. Force is. Yeah, man. Well, if they followed the Mummy approach, then they'd just be Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi doing some narration at the start, talking be. about it, everything. It would be episodes one, two, and three. <laughs> uh, well, the the yeah, synopsis. Okay, there you go. He's just he's just reading the Wikipedia synopsis yeah. of those films, oh, those films to get yeah. us all caught up. Right. So then when we enter, we're like, oh, there, oh, yeah, there were Jedi and there was lightsabers and fights and there's yeah. a dark side and there's a light side and yep. so we're just sort of watching this bumbling farm boy Luke yep. trying to sort of like trying figure it out badly act his way through oh it's a shame I'm not going to insult Mark Hamill he's a treasure um, 
I get the sense though that that opening narration was added late in the process as well. Because later on in the film, there's uh, shots where Discount Ivanka is um, communicating with someone in London. Uh, and it cuts to the person that she's communicating to. And the shot is like a slight behind the head really tight close-up yeah, of someone with glasses on. Just the, the, the slightest yeah. present of his, of his glasses, but, not seeing his face as yeah. if they're trying to hide who They're trying to hide is. who that character is, but then we're like, but we've seen this yeah. character before. <laughs> what, what's him. the mystery here? We know what's going on. And I found that if you cut out that whole section there and actually start the film from when they're entering the tomb, when the three characters, uh, uh, Nick Cruz, Oscar Isaac, and Ivanka Trump are entering the tomb... It's actually a, a much stronger start because yep. um, it actually serves a better purpose in terms of establishing character and establishing a relationship between those three. And it introduces the mummy character through the flashbacks that Nick Cruz has. Great. Much better. Much stronger as a film. Much more engaging as a film. Instead, we got Russell Crowe looking at a wall all <laughs> amazed and then talking. I don't like... To be honest, it, it doesn't fix... It doesn't fix. No, it doesn't. I mean, it makes it better. It doesn't it fix makes the it film. Better. No. There are there are so many other points in that film where Ivanka Trump just sort of <laughs> stops and explains the plot of the film. Yes. To to Nick Cruz, he's just like, yeah, she guided the plane over the London because she knew there was a dagger hidden in the statue, mm. and so she crashed the plane there. Mm. And just sort of like, did, did she did she set the pl- flight plan from <laughs> Afghanistan to go over London? That's right, like, yeah. How how in God's name did she orchestrate these set of events to retrieve this artifact, which is hidden in a church in England somewhere, um, by manipulating everyone? Like, and speaking of manipulating people, well, her look, superpowers. That's the thing. This I was just going to say that. Like, maybe it's just one of her many extensive and continually growing superpowers. So when right? we say her, we're talking about the mummy. The mummy, yes, and, played and by we- Sophia. Botulism disease. Botulism. Botula. I have no idea. You said she was from the. She's in Kingsman. She plays the um the bladed the leg bladed assassin in in Kingsman. Um, let's see if we can go through and list off all of the powers that the mummy has. Right. So so first of all, she has the ability to control spiders. To bite people. Yep. And they eventually die. And when they die, she then has brain control over them to make them do things yes. which which he actually uses on two separate occasions yes but with two different results two di- two different results two different results um but essentially like if you boil it down to control spiders to bite people to sure. brain control yep. them that's fine okay um she has the ability to reanimate the dead yes um into like armies of her own zombies I zombie guess. She, yeah. she can reanimate uh, uh, a zombie army yeah. that's fine she has the ability to suck the life force from people to heal herself yep uh which again feeds back into power number two yep which is zombie army yep uh she has the ability to summon sandstorms flocks of Crows, crows yep flocks uh, of rats yep we already talked about flocks of spiders Hallucinations, I guess. Oh, yep. So Chuck that in hallucinations. there. So she, she she can also control all sand, yep. including sand which has been turned into glass. Into glass, yeah. Which she can turn back into, into sand, sand yep. and control, but only from glass, apparently. Only only from only glass. from glass. Yeah. And we we pull that particular power from. Uh, it's in the trailer as well. Uh, there's a scene when they're in London and a massive sandstorm goes through London. And essentially, it's only coming from glass. Yes. Because uh, all the glass is shattering and being converted back into sand. So never mind the sandstone buildings and everything else that's made out of little rock. Um, yeah, that's one of her powers. Very specific sand control. Yeah. Uh, obviously, flight pattern diversion as Yeah, well. flight pattern diversion is, is the big one. Another I mean... One of her, yeah, well, let's face it. Like None of the plot would have happened if she couldn't absolutely. do that. Absolutely. Um, um, she can vomit out mercury. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's from, from her thing. bloodstream yep. for some sure. strange reason. Of course. Um, yeah, it just—it seems like she has this slew of unimaginable uh, traits and powers mm. and abilities that all of her choices make no sense when you think about what she can do. Yeah. If you can just get an army of spiders to bite people and suddenly have control over all of their behavior and actions. Yep. Why do you need to summon a? Um, army of the dead to fight people. Just I, just take them over. Or if yeah. they've uh, so there's one point where they've uh, like an army of um, these uh, people have locked themselves in a tomb with the red gem because she's after mm. the gem. Yep. And she animates all of the skeletons from the tomb to kill them. Yep. Why not just fill it up with sand and kill them that way? Why not 
control them so yeah, there's no I, need for a fight. Yeah. They're just it seems as though she has so many powers to choose from. Yep. There's no way she can lose. Oh, she's also immune to bullets, which because they, oh, they, yeah, they did fire. There's another one. Yeah, a great big. Um, but uh, I think we also have to ask now, with all those powers, what was she actually trying to do? Exactly. And so I mentioned this during the watching of the film with the um, original Mummy, and I think with a lot of other ones. There's mm. really strong overtones of immortality because yep. I mean a lot of the the mythos and the the religion behind. Um, these ancient Egyptian cultures was with uh, passing to the afterlife. It was the whole yep. point of mm. mummification. So you always have these um, strong overtones of life and death mm. and trying to sort of like uh, live beyond your sort of physical means. Yeah. In this one, it's not about that at all. It's about... No. So as I mentioned, her motivation is that her father, the pharaoh, has a son and therefore knocks her to second in line for the throne. Mm. She gets pissed off, makes a pact with uh, the devil mm. and kills them all. And I'm just like, I really I really thought there was going to be the, she wants to live forever, but it's just, it's not there. Mm. So if, if that's not the motivation, why is she trying to bring a demon into the world? She has... I mean, she can just go off and kill her family and become yeah. second, first in line to the throne if, yep. if she's so inclined to do. She doesn't need yeah. to summon evil spirits or evil magic to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it just like she, the, her kind of quest seemed to be uh, physically revolved around needing to stab Nick Cruz in the chest with a ceremonial dagger with a red stone in it. For reasons that we still cannot for, for figure out. We don't know. Well, why is she I've doing no that? She, I don't know. For reasons. For reasons. For reasons. Reasons. Why else would you do things but for reasons, right? But if if like if that was a kind of stepping stone to world domination, surely her existing uh you know, range of superpowers would have easily done that anyway. Yeah. And uh, then like they spoiler. try and bring this thing in where he's her chosen and they she wants to do it together. Yeah. But at no point in the backstory is the person that she's chosen at all relevant it yeah. just seems to be some just guy some dude yeah so there's no uh, i need to bring my loved one back so yeah. we can rule in perpetuity together yeah, which or... is what the 1999 mummy did exactly it's a great the, effect there was this, this a love story that was the whole point is yeah. that these characters were so in love that mm. they couldn't they couldn't survive in the world without one another exactly and then in this one spoiler alert uh the big showdown between nick cruz and mummy uh results in nick cruz stabbing himself yes the the, the whole point of what sh- the mummy is trying to do is stab him in the chest yeah to and he's just like um he's got the upper hand on her yeah and he's just like i'll show you i'll stab me in the chest <laughs> and it's like okay so technically if the mission was stab nick cruz in the chest with dagger mission, mission accomplished. accomplished so how did that somehow solve the problem I don't un- like that. This was the weird part about it, right? And um, the mummy gets defeated because of that. So Nick, I mean, he, he then gains he gets superpowers. superpowers. Yeah. essentially the same superpowers I imagine that she has, yes. which is uh, going to suit him very well in a life of air traffic control. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and he because there's a shard of goodness left in him, which yeah. again we haven't seen in the film, and we've quite we've. Been shown many, many times that there absolutely isn't no, the, the one nothing. redeeming quality he had. Here. They they put in a line of dialogue to dismiss, yeah. and because he has that one shard of humanity left in him, mm. he's able to control the powers and not be overwhelmed by them. Yeah, use them to suck the life force out of the mm. mummy, reanimate a dead Ivanka Trump, <laughs> and then run away into the desert to go on adventures with, with uh, Oscar, Oscar Isaac, Isaac, who is yeah. now alive again because yeah. of a curse being broken. I just I, none nothing in this film made any sense. No, so I mean but this isn't and there's far more, and we'll get into the more complicated areas of this film as well in regards to setting up a whole setting universe, up a universe apparently. Yeah, um, but for this self-contained film, the story inside it made no sense. So it's like, and I mean, if we're gonna do the the dark universe thing, there's a moment where in them trying to establish the dark universe, they yeah. almost break the tension that they've built up with the mummy. Yeah. So absolutely. the midsection of the film, they discover uh, that there's a secret society of people who hunt down evil in the world mm. and try and understand it and control it or destroy it. Yes. Um, yeah, it, it essentially... I can't remember what they've called it. Uh, uh, like perineum. Monster or... Paradise. Yeah, it was something... Perineum. 
there's, they've, they've, they've taken some Latin words and turned it into like it's, some it secret like prodigally. Yeah, prodigium. Pr- prodigium. Prodigium. That sounds. That'll do. I like perineum. Procedu- I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Perineum. Um, perineum is it? Uh, and um, they're just sort of like, oh yeah, evil exists all throughout the world. Mm. And yeah, we've caught this mummy, and she's pretty evil. She's probably the most evil we found. But there's pr- plenty of it around. Yeah. And uh, we're trying to destroy it all. It's just like you- you've literally like built this thing up, this mummy up to be super evil and the, the most uh, threatening thing to the existence of the world and mm. then they kind of like oh yeah we've locked her up and we're going to do some experiments on her but it's no real yeah. big deal yeah, and, and it's just like really to, to establish this dark universe where there's lots of other monstrous creatures mm. you've taken a beat in the middle of the film just to sort of like um, yeah. de-emphasize just how like how powerful this thing is it's yeah. like oh no it's alright we'll, we'll, we'll. It, it's, it's sort of like if you Here's the example I can give you because this film is trying to be the Avengers, right? It's trying to set up the same kind of cinematic cinematic universe universe, that Marvel and DC have. Uh, But if we take it to... DC doesn't have a cinematic universe. Whatever. No, it's it's rubbish. But let's say... Let's take Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, right? Right. That would, the, the, the way that this film does it would be like The Dark Knight playing out as it does currently, but in the middle of the film, there's a section where suddenly Superman appears and Wonder Woman appears and the whole concept of Justice League is established and then we put that at one side and continue yeah. the rest of the film. And it's like, oh, you're, you're dealing with uh, the Joker or yeah. Bane mm. at the moment. Mm. They're pretty bad, yeah. but there's a whole big a evil whole... world yeah. out there. Oh, you can. I mean, we're still going to spend the rest of the film dealing with your little problem, yeah, but yeah. just bear in mind just, yep, there's yep. a lot more going mm. on out there and what you're doing doesn't actually really yeah. matter Have you heard about there's, there's this thing called Brainiac and Sinestro. I mean, you know that he's probably going to be evil. He's got the word sinister in his name, but it's fine. You deal with the Joker. Doomsday, a genetically engineered yeah. being from an alternate dimension yeah. who is more powerful than Superman. Oh, yeah. yeah, aliens exist as well. You know, it's oh, you've, not... you've, You're dealing with a, like a mentally oh, unstable guy dressed oh, like a clown, are you? Oh. Does he have any superpowers? Is he an alien? Was no, he genetically oh. modified? No. Is he taking just... over the world or is it... Oh, ju- oh just Gotham. Oh. But oh. It, not even okay. Gotham, just like just like two boats yeah. in the middle of the harbour. Yeah, listen, when you deal with the Joker, we'd like to experiment on him afterwards as well, like if that's okay with you. That's the mummy, right? Yeah. None of, it doesn't make any sense. And let's talk about this dark... There is... Let's talk about the dark universe, right? So they're setting up a collection of characters that will apparently appear in further films, of which I don't think there will be any because this film did terribly. Um, I, but, I reckon I reckon at least two of them go ahead. They, really? That's, right. Well, look forward to seeing those two is, films. Is, this, is it a, a bet that we're going to have? We're going to have like a, a tracker? Like yeah, a, let's a do board it. All right, let's bets? do it. All right. So All right. let's just say just uh, it has to be within the same... This universe? Yes, I mean, uh, this one's very specifically at the start when the Universal logo comes across, spins around, and it says Dark Dark Universe. universe, Yeah, which we couldn't tell if it was a production company or just literally telling you that this is a cinematic universe, but whatever. So here's the bet then, right? Um, The bet is that we will see two other films in this exact universe. So it can't be a reboot. It can't be a... um, I can't include the Benicio Del Toro Wolfman. No, you cannot. Um, I can't include the uh, I Frankenstein's. Yeah, no, no, it, no, it has to be has to be okay. this universe, right? And has to make explicit reference to this universe or officially be part of this canon. And then you win the bet. All right, and but for you to win, there has to be none, none. So In, if from they, now until if they make one, yes. And does it have to be cinematic releases or can we go straight to video? I'll say straight to video is fine. So, so like Scorpion King 4 straight to video yep, is totally still fine. technically still part technically of the Mummy universe. Of it. That's right. fine. I'm happy to accept that. I'll even extend it even further. If it's a TV series or Netflix or whatever else is okay. out there, All right. I'll also accept that. But it has to be two. 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 Two additional ones. All right. I don't know what the stakes for this bet are. <laughs> we'll have to figure it out as we go. And also, it's going to take a long time for me to win the bet. <laughs> Theoretically, I'll be on my deathbed. I'm yeah. like, it still could happen. It's, it's possible. I think, I think that as soon as anything gets rebooted within this universe, then I win. So let's say they make another mummy film and has nothing yeah. to do with this. I win. If they make a... Creature from Black Lagoon or, or Jekyll and Hyde film that has nothing to do with this universe, I win. That's fine. That's fine. And I mean, I feel as though even if they recast the characters and it's like, I imagine if they do a Jekyll and Hyde film mm. and Russell Crowe's not uh, Dr. Jekyll, I think that's fine so long fine. as it's Dark Universe. It has to be in the universe. I All don't right. care about cast uh, recasting or anything like that. If they make it specifically part of this universe and there's two of them, you win. Do we do we want to put a time frame on the bet? Because I feel as though that... Well, films take a long time. I know they do take a long time, but I also want to put stakes on it as well. <laughs> so, like, 
Uh, I don't know what it's going to be that you you, I mean, you have like to. Ten, it's going to be like a ten year thing, I think. Uh, I mean, it would be. Let's say. I think if if they don't have it done in ten years, it's yep. not happening. Yep. I don't think uh, if they have it done in five years. All right. So if if they don't have one done yes. in the next five years, yep. I lose. Yep. And right. then I have I have uh, up until ten years for the second one <laughs> yep. to get made. Yes, exactly. Uh, which which is really like putting a a long shelf life on this podcast, but hey, that's fine. I like I like the ambitious thinking. What are the win loss conditions of this bet? Is the is <laughs> I don't the, know. the yeah, better what question? We, what do we win? Let's we'll sort that out. Um, uh, I think I think you're going to have to be for or you or I are going to have to be forced to watch something <laughs> that we do not want to watch. Um, and and number one on my list would have been. Uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, <laughs> but we watched that about two months ago, and it was a truly, uh, truly horrendous. So, in five years' time, mm. once I have firmly put that film out of my mind again, <laughs> at, like because I, I legitimately convinced myself that film did not exist. <laughs> it had been what eleven years? When did it come out? Like uh, two thousand six, I think. I yeah, say. somewhere around there. Seven, so, yeah. eleven years since I'd seen the film, mm. and I had forgotten great big chunks mm. of that, and yeah. I was a much, much happier person. I, I had to. And the thing is, so like, in five or ten years' time, depending on which of us has won or lost the bet, <laughs> the loser has to sit down again and watch Kingdom of the Crystal oh, Skull God. and reinforce all of those horrible, horrible scenes that we had firmly put away <laughs> in the backs of our minds. That's right, because it will be enough time. We're probably never going to watch that film again. Let's face it. Um, I don't. Who knows? We may, but we can hope we won't. Uh, yeah, because in that time we will have forgotten how terrible that film is, and it will be horrible. I was going to suggest that, like, if um, whoever lost the bet had to then just make the next film in the uh, in the uh, <laughs> in the dark, dark universe, uh, yeah, the self fulfilling prophecy. That's right, of, like, yeah. But that, I mean, that's I, I'm almost tempted to do that just so I don't have to watch Kingdom <laughs> of the Crystal Skull again. Just. <laughs> That's it, actually. Yeah, we'll take we'll do a half hour podcast where someone has to improvise this, the next Dark Universe film from start to scratch, playing every character. Deal. All right, that's a deal. Or Crystal Skull, whichever. Or Crystal Skull, yeah. I'll take the improv. Um, but let's go back to the Mummy for a sec because I do want to discuss Russell Crowe's character who plays uh, Jekyll and Ide. De- in Ide, because when he's when he's Ide, he kind of speaks with a. I had an educated wonder next. Yeah, like, no, I'm be, sorry, that's be, horrible. Better Ray Winston. You know? He is. He he almost turns North into London. Ray Winston as well. So Wait, he, yeah, he, he, he like he, uh, his skin goes all puffy and bloated. Mm. I don't want to be mean to Ray Winston. I do like Ray Winston. I do too. Except he was in Crystal. Star. He was. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So it, it's. I'm assuming most people who are listening uh, know of the story of Jekyll and Hyde. So a a doctor or a um. What was he? He was a doctor, right? He's a mad doctor scientist. Jekyll, right? yeah. Um, creates a, a serum, which he takes, uh, and then it turns him into this grotesque creature called yeah. Mr. Hyde. Look, I'm not... I don't actually really know what his physical attributes are. In this film, they describe him as someone who craves uh, to see pain in others or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Um, so he's sort of sick and twisted and a mm. little bit um, monstrous, yeah. I suppose. It's, it's it's kind of like a, a prototype Incredible Hulk, essentially. Absolutely. Like I it's, mean, it's very similar to that. Yeah. Uh, I think the Hulk has more um, control over his actions. And I, look, I actually don't really know a huge amount about the mm. Hulk, but he will fight for good. Whereas I think there's such a... Um, a split in the psyche of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, where one is quite obviously acting in um, the, not in the best interest of the other. Mm. Like, so Mr. Hyde is very sort of hedonistic and uh, needs to sort of um, satisfy his own mm. cravings, yeah. but at the detriment to people. And so when Dr. Jekyll wakes up, Mr. Hyde may have killed someone, mm. may have stolen something and has to sort of deal with the ramifications. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Hyde is kind of like Jekyll's id, essentially, yes. or his impure... Uh, all these impure thoughts and and desires sort of come to fruition, essentially. But the thing is with this film, it implies or it asks the audience to already know the Jekyll and Hyde story, because um, during the film, you see the transformation into Hyde. So Russell Crowe, essentially, well, there's really not much of a transformation. No, he his, skin, a bit, his skin goes blotchy. His skin his, goes his a bit blotchy. Changes. His accent changes, and he gets really kind of. He turns into a smart ass, essentially. Yeah. Um, who's a bit stronger than previously, I guess. I suppose so. Um, but 
if you had never heard of Jekyll and Hyde before, it's an incredibly random thing for a character to have happen. Yeah, he's got this. You would expect that in the context of this universe, he he has some sort of demon or monster. That's right. Yeah, within him as well. Which yeah, but again, like he, I sort of thought. In, if we bring it back to the Avengers comparison, um, the Jekyll character kind of plays the Nick Frost of the group. Nick Frost know. or Nick Fury? Nick Fury. Sorry. <laughs> Although I would love to see Nick Frost play Nick Fury. If he was in the film of says Nick Fury, that would be phenomenal. Oh, that would be... Gr- oh, damn it. Yeah, I want to see that too. My bad. Uh, so, no, actually, no. Screw it. From now on, that character's name is Nick Frost. Um, so, Russell Crowe essentially plays the Nick Frost of this universe. Yes. Um, And so what happens to him randomly in the middle of the film would be like if Nick Frost suddenly had an amazing superpower that only appears randomly. Yes. Like, there's no context behind it. There's no background for it. We're really not told much about his character, aside from the fact that he's developed this organisation that catalogues and researches... um, monsters throughout the world i really i really didn't think he was going to transform during this film i i what i really thought that were going to happen is that they say my name's dr henry jekyll or whatever Mm. um it it happens to be and then we just go okay you dr jekyll exists in this dark universe and Mm. we'll address that later on yes we if you have a sense that he's this sort of like um two-faced sort of uh incredible hulk Mm. style character that's great uh we may see a little snippet of it where he's I think he's got a glove on one hand because it's like a little bit. Um, yeah, well, it's actually not. In, we no yeah, idea why. But, he but then, that glove. like they, they just they. The moment you think, okay, we'll seize that in a in a later film. They go, mm. oh, and I'm changing now. Change, and my yeah. face is going weird. I yeah. have to inject serum, otherwise I turn bad all the time. So, yeah. um, and, and it's really like he only changes because he's having a slightly heated discussion with Nick yeah. Cruz. Like that's it. That's the impetus for this it grand reveal. His change doesn't serve the story at all. No, it, it just it really just is an attempt to bring a bit more uh, depth or interest into that dark universe. But as you said, if if you know who Doctor Jekyll is, mm. you know who he is anyway. So like yeah. showing that transformation doesn't help. And if you don't know, then it's a much better surprise or reveal for a later film. Than Absolutely. In this one, so, so it's unsatisfying for everyone, essentially. So if you know the characters, it's kind of unsatisfying to see that transformation because there's really nothing to it and there's no impetus for it. And if you don't know the characters, it's a random event that happens in a film about a mummy. So who's entertained by I don't that? know. I really, I don't feel as though this film should have been called The Mummy. It, it just seems, again, it's probably no. that nostalgia factor where... A lot of the people that I spoke to before the film came out, just like I wonder if Brendan Fraser is going to be in this film. I was like, I it's not, he... it's not a reboot of that franchise. It's a reboot no. of the original one. However, there is a really weirdly ah, um, yes, yes. Uh, frame shot where they they drop the Book of the Dead. It looks it, like the Book of the Dead it, from the, uh, the original fi- film. And yeah. we we were trying to discuss whether it was a just like a nod to the 1999, 1999 mm. franchise, <laughs> or um, if it was. Uh, actually su- suggesting that these two films did yeah. exist within the same universe. You know, I hate that we can have these discussions nowadays about this kind of stuff because of how Marvel does everything where they inject Easter eggs and these little points into it that connect all these universes together. So now we're looking at what is essentially, uh, I'm going to say maybe 24 frames or, tw- uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. two seconds of footage, 48 yeah. frames of footage of um, this book falling out of a, a bookshelf and the camera is, it's a specific shot Absolutely. dedicated to that book It's as not, well. as we discussed, the E.T. off in the background. Yeah, in, um, it's not like this not cute little Easter egg where it's just sort of off to the side somewhere. Yeah. And if you're eagle-eyed, you can spot it. No, it's a if specific you, yeah. shot that's put in there. You don't there. need to pause it. You don't need to zoom no. in. You don't need to enhance. No, it's just, um, it's just there. Um, and it looks like the prop from the Mummy film. So are they related? Are they... Is this a big, huge universe now where Brendan Fraser's mummy is part of the same <laughs> Look, universe as I his think Cruise's the, mummy? the number of times that Tom Cruise winks at the camera in his performance, <laughs> I just feel as though the book's the same thing. It's a little yeah. stare directly down the camera and wink, go, hey, look what we're doing. Yeah. It's kind of a little bit cute. It doesn't serve a purpose beyond that. Well, let's hope not. Because if so, good God. I just... If it does, I, then it, it does mean that any future Scorpion King mummy, mummy oh returns no. or mummy so, four oh, fits into the dark universe and I'll win our you bet. You win your bet. No. 
Uh, oh, that's a horrible, horrible, horrid thought. And I can't believe you went there. Uh, shame on you. I so I suppose shame. the crux of the podcast is the unraveling and re-raveling of yeah. films. Mm. We have done the unraveling. Uh, how would you piece this film back together to make it more entertaining, to make it something more watchable, to to bring you out to watch the second uh, creature film in this dark I, universe? I, it would take a lot, honestly. I wanted this film to be more of a comedy, honestly. I This felt like... Um, the filmmakers were trying to have their cake and eat it as well in terms of creating this super serious, big, sprawling universe and also trying to inject in all these moments of very constructed and um, obvious comedy as well. And there's a lot of these moments in the film that don't ring true to the seriousness of the action. Um, There's... uh, You know, there's a, a scene where Ivanka Trump is upside down in a truck... Um, and Nick Cruz is going out to whack the mummy with a stick, I think. Yeah. Um, and Ivanka Trump in the, tr- in the truck is saying stuff like, kick her ass, and like, really egging him, that was a really bad delivery, but it's like, she's saying to him all these like, crazy motivational, funny lines about, um, Nick Cruz defeating the mummy. And then, uh... Nick Cruz gets thrown up in the air and lands down in front of her. And there's that kind of like cute, like, oh, you didn't do that thing I was talking about. Yeah. And it's just like, and there's like a moment of silence where they kind of acknowledge that as well. It's like, this is not how people react in no. this situation. Why is this here? Um, it's, but- it's not a fun adventure. No. Like, not like the Brendan Fraser mummy is mm. where it's just like, this is like, we're all along for the ride because this is kind of fun. Yeah. This is, this one's very much like, They've taken the dark from Dark Universe and mm. applied that color grade to the film and yep. somehow also washed away any semblance That's of right. fun yep. from the script itself. Yes, so. but but they enlisted the help of our friend Levity Bot. <laughs> Levity to, Bot. To bring Levity back into it where it needed I th- it. But. I think Levity Bot's got a one, uh, one note solution, which is just put Jake Johnson in the film. <laughs> Levity Bot says this film needs 10% more Levity. 10% more Levity? That's an exactly one Jake Johnson worth of Levity. <laughs> Um, which, that's how which, that's how long he's in the film. Levity by the way. Bot did exactly the same thing for Jurassic World. Jurassic World, yes. And Jurassic World needed more levity. Put uh, Jake Johnson right in that film as well. Oh man, maybe we should just look at every film that Jake Johnson has been in. I think. See. I, <laughs> and then you like you, you peel back the mask of Levity Bot, and it is just Jake Johnson. <laughs> Jake Johnson, what are you doing? I I wasn't in enough films, so I've dressed up as a robot called Levity Bot, and uh, his job was to put more levity in films. And I just oh, thought it's a great way of getting myself cast yeah. in big franchises. That's got to be it. That is a hundred percent what Levity Bot is. It's just Jake Johnson in a really bad robot suit oh, as well. Like yeah. not even not even metallic. It's just some cardboard with yeah. antenna on it. Um, and somehow, well, Hollywood producers were like, "Yes, that is a robot. We will put you in the film." I think we are just describing the plot of the South Park episode Awesome O now, oh, okay. uh, uh, which I think we should stick there. Okay. Otherwise, uh, Trey Parker might might uh, slap us with an intellectual property suit. Sure. Okay. All right. So. If if there isn't really that much redeeming qualities to the mummy or any change other other changes that you would make to make it a good film, what creature mm. would you most like to then see in the dark in universe? In the dark universe, and does What's, it have to be an existing creature? Or? It doesn't have to be. Okay, but in my mind, so the the creature from the Black Lagoon mm. doesn't get much of a like a, a run. Like we've seen, no. like um, Invisible Man. You've got the Kevin Bacon Hollow Man. You have even Chevy Chase's Memoirs of Invisible Man. There's there's yeah. a whole bunch of them. A whole bunch of Frankenstein reboots. Yeah. A whole bunch of Dracula reboots. Mm. But the Black Lagoon creature has kind of like he crawled back into his lagoon back in the 30s and 40s <laughs> and never came <laughs> back out. There, yeah. And you do see a shot in this um film of they they're walking through like the mm. la- laboratory full yeah. of sort of formaldehyde jars yeah. of pickled Which um, was... remains, and you see the the hands the the sort of scaly the webbed fl- hands yeah. of the um of the creature of the black lagoon. Mm. I quite I quite like just to see his little film. Like yeah. if they're, they're contextualizing it into a modern world, what's yeah. he been doing? Just been hanging down in, in <clears throat> Mississippi with the alligators, or what's yeah? Wh- do, wh- do, where's he, where's do you he reckon from? he'd be? Do you reckon he would be evil though? Or do you reckon like he's just a misunderstood, misunderstood. like a Frankenstein esque? Well, let's Frankenstein will probably be another film in this franchise yeah. should it ever come to fruition. But does the creature from the Black Lagoon need to be uh, malicious or no? Evil? I, I reckon I reckon we do it like Teen Wolf. 
Ooh, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I reckon. I reckon like an Olympic just... swim team kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So he, he's just a regular kid. Yeah, he's just a regular kid <laughs> living a regular life until one day he finds out that he's a creature from the Black Lagoon. And then, Uh-oh. and then, like, because the really weird thing about Teen Wolf is just how accepting they are yeah, I know. that Michael J. Fox <laughs> is a werewolf who can slam dunk. <laughs> Um, I think it's the same thing with Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. And he, he does. He joins the swim team and yep. the kids from the high school yeah. are just like, woo, Creature yeah. from the <laughs> Black Lagoon. You're so good at swimming. We can now, because of your athletic prowess, yeah, we accept uh, you. ignore all of your fundamental faults, <laughs> which is exactly how the American sports system works anyway. So, Oh, commentary. And in a, in a nice little um, uh, throwback as well, I feel like the creature from the Black Lagoon should really be played by Jason Bateman as well. Oh, really? So Jason Bateman was uh, in Team Wolf was 2. Was in Team Wolf 2. Uh, for some reason, Michael J. Fox didn't do it. Weirdo. And yeah, I mean, what do you mean for some reason? This the uh, Team Wolf Two was definitely uh, it was his cousin. They couldn't ah, have got couldn't have got Michael J. Fox yes, to play his no, own you're cousin. You're right. You're right. Yeah, because the idea of having a cousin surely didn't come from not being able to cast Michael J. Fox in the first place. Mm. Uh, but yes, I, I feel like Jason Bateman would play an amazing creature from Black Lagoon. He does need a better name though. What can we call him? Because you can't call him creature. You can't really call him. Blackie. <laughs> That's yeah. It's not Lago- uh, Lagoony. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Whatever his name is. Um. Yeah. Jason Bateman in a prosthetic suit of some kind. See, I I reckon you could, if you're going to do that, you bring Jason Bateman back as the father because there's that moment. Oh, okay. There's a moment in Team Wolf where yep. Michael J. Fox is stuck in the bathroom yeah. and he's turned into a werewolf and he's like, "Don't come in, Dad. Don't come in. You'll freak yep. out." And they open the door and his dad's a werewolf too. Oh. And so you bring Jason Bateman yeah. back as the dad of yep. uh, Pete from Pete Peacher Peacher from yep. the Pete from the Black. My name is Pete Lagoon. <laughs> Pete Lagoon. Um, <laughs> And uh, look, I, I mean, again, I'm tempted to get Michael Sarah then to play yeah, uh, Jason yes, Bateman's yep, son. So yep. you have the the, okay. the re, uh, so it's Michael Sarah as Pete Pete Lagoon, <laughs> Pete Lagoon. Um, with uh, Jason, Jason as the as the dad. dad. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's all just sort of, or do we do go dark with it and turn it into a swim fan? So it's exactly the Ooh, same thing. Yep. It's exactly the same film we've been describing, mm. but it's sort of, sort of a swim fan reboot where okay. because he's on the swim team, this yep. one girl gets obsessed with him and yeah. sends him letters and it becomes sort of like a, a psychosexual a, thriller. Yeah, like a, yeah. Ooh, that's dark. That would fit right that, into that, this I mean, I'm, I'm sure we would write this uh, creature from the Black Lagoon yep. and it would be this sort of fun jokey adventure and then as soon as Dark Universe Studios gets their hands on it and they put that dark filter over the top suddenly it's Swim Fan 2 they will add Levity Bot to it though (laughs) I mean Jake Johnson will be in there he will be in it and and a soundtrack from Jack Johnson yes um Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who does Jake, Jake Johnson plays the principal. Yep, <laughs> it's like, oh, Pete Lagoon <laughs> in my office again. <laughs> I- now, Pete, I've told you a thousand times, you can't, you can't spawn in the locker room, right? But you go out there and you get him, you little rascal. I'm Jake Johnson. I'm goofy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, great. That's a franchise right there. I think that's the way, <laughs> the it way to the go. Way. I, I really, I mean, that would, that would, ha- that's the only film that they could put out in the dark universe that I'd go and see. I would see that in an instant. I would pre-order tickets for it. I would possibly make fan art for it as well. That's how exciting. You know I would how we get it. more, more people to come see it. How we'd call it Jumanji Three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then we'd have to cast the Rock Johnson. Then wouldn't we? I just assumed he was in it as okay, well. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> Let's close off this Dwayne The Rock Johnson heavy podcast. Um, uh, yeah, let's close it, I guess. Right, okay. Um, so I suppose we'll be back next week. Is there any films that uh, you think would be worth visiting uh, next week at all? Or mm, Interesting. I really would love to see Valerian. All right. Uh, City of a Thousand City Planets. City of a Thousand <laughs> Planet Cities, yep. Uh, just because it's Luke Benson. Uh, Besson. Besson. I think you have to pronounce it. Luc. Le Besson. Le Besson. He has done some phenomenal films. He's he has. done some less than phenomenal Absolutely. films. Absolutely, yep. Um, um, I, su- such mixed reviews from that film. I think it'd be mm. a great place to start. Yeah, considering it does feel spiritually linked to The Fifth Element, a film that we both love. Also right? 95, I believe. Jumanji and yeah. Fifth Element in the same year. Yeah. 95. What geez. a great year. 
Um, yeah, I would love to see that at some point, just to see if it is as terrible as people say it is, I guess. Uh, what about you? Um, that's a good point. I, I think we could probably do Dawn of the War of the Planet of the Apes, <laughs> I think, uh, is possibly one of those films that... Uh, got sort of spat out before mm. by Hollywood to make some money before anyone could re- yeah. really think about it. Yeah, and also they had the balls to connect it to the original films from the 60s as well. That's That takes a lot of... <laughs> man. So, like, if, and we thought that the connection between The Mummy 2017 and The Mummy 1999 was bold. Oh, like, I mean, yeah, I suppose... That's, I mean, that's all you have to do. It's just name yeah. it after something that people have heard before. Yes. And uh, it doesn't matter if it's bad or good. You'll no. get people into it anyway. No. On that slightly right. depressing note... <laughs> this has been uh, Movie Film Studios. I've been Isaac. And I've been Anthony. And we'll uh, see you next time. See ya. Watch me.